Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we take that opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Gurney. I'm here with... Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. Super excited to be here with you guys. I was jazzed for this episode. I think the listeners you are going to hear jazz? it. giving me jazz? I'm pretty jazzed. Oh my God. Every time you come around, you're giving me jazz. <laughs> That's a very deep cut Bill O'Reilly reference. <laughs> Let's not go down that route. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll segue into my in-law figures have recently come back from a road trip. And when they do that, they typically bring me home some beer. We've even had some on the podcast. We before. have. So they went recently to Mount Rushmore. And I quickly Googled back and got back to them. Hey, there's... Mount Rushmore Brewing right around the corner, right? Uh-huh. So they brought me back a six-pack, two each of three different types of beers. Now, we're met with a conundrum. So I think we should build a flight of these three. <laughs> However, here's the twist. Because there should be a twist in any kind of fantastic <laughs> okay. entertainment. Yeah. Okay. We or is this just, is this a beer MacGuffin, Joe? It Are could you? be. Okay. All you right. won't know till the end. <laughs> uh, we drink two. We choose the two, reserving the third for the second half. But we can elect at the top of the second half to not pursue the third. To call an audible. To call an audible. Because, David, I think you might have brought some backup beers. I do have backup, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, we, are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah let's play. Let's I've play. got a Scottish ale. We'll go into detail. Help me, help me put this flight together. I've got a porter... I've got a Scottish Ale, and I've got an IPA. I feel like we want to start with the IPA and then go the heavier and darker after that. Mm-hmm. Scottish maybe, and then yeah, the, IPA, uh, then Scottish. All right. Then. Although what Scottish Ale? If we're gonna do a beer in the second half, you're that's right. The one. You're ooh, right. That actually. You're ooh. absolutely right. Okay, we'll save that for okay. three. Okay. We'll save that. IPAs for first. IPAs. IPAs okay. First. Then a porter. All right. Here we go. This is the Long Tom IPA from Mount Rushmore Brewing Company. It's got Thomas Jefferson on the can art. They're all yes, similar very, with different presidents, you can imagine. Um, prominent citrus and pine hop aroma, high bitterness matched by the perfect sweetness in the body, etc., etc. IPA. It's 6.0. This is the highest of the three that we're going to be having tonight. Get, okay, get a start at the top of that mountain. Yeah. All right. Carlos, let me I'm gonna put somewhere. your hands on my long tongue. I'll take it to you. Here it is. Oh, man. Uh, so... Uh, you know, I I know that there is a strong contingent contingency of our listeners that do not even look at the episode title. They just subscribe, and the second they Bang, see play. that BAM logo, they smash that play button. So they probably don't know what movie we're talking about or why it seems that Mount Rushmore Brewing Company would be such a perfect tie-in. Uh, and it's because it is a great tie-in because we are talking... Uh, about Alfred Hitchcock's 1959 classic North by Northwest. Um, even if you have not seen this film, there is imagery. By reputation and, alone. Yes, things that you would recognize from it. And the tie into Mount Rushmore, if you have not seen the film, is that the climax of this movie takes place at, on, and around Mount Rushmore t- with, with much controversy 
at the time, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and continuing today, I suppose, uh, given the whole situation with that. A perfect um, beer tie-in is what you're saying? That's all uh, I heard. That is exactly <laughs> okay. what I said. That was a much more concise, very effective nutshelling of what yeah. I said. And if there's anything that beer and a movie listeners know is that I love a good nutshelling. Do they? <laughs> Probably of all the films we've done, one of the most iconic in the, in the sense that you know images, as you as you've already pointed out, like the crop duster. Sure. Can I tell you something that I almost did for this episode? I almost... A recreation of the crop duster sequence with you running around the fields of Mathis. <laughs> no. no. It, it is timely right now in the growing season, by the way. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was, you know, I was going to have a sound effect ready to play at the top of the episode in lieu of the main theme that we normally have. And really? it was going to be that terrible Metallica song from the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack that the has a music video that recreates that plane scene with Kirk Hammett being chased no. by the plane. Is that a thing? And it's from it's from <laughs> right exists? it's from right whenever they cut their hair and they started oh getting God. into the Was that load? Was that load? I don't think it appeared on an album uh, on one of their proper oh, it was, albums it was a sound it was for okay. it was yeah. i think it was written for waiting for me to pull <laughs> yeah 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 i know sorry um, <laughs> yeah my bad my bad especially metallica i don't a band i don't even like you're welcome guys um but north by northwest north by northwest so the basic rundown of this plot is that um i'm just so with a film this iconic i know i'm gonna say somebody's name wrong uh and I'm going to try to avoid that. Roger Thornhill, played by Cary Grant. Roger Thornhill. Uh, is advertising executive. Is essentially John Hamm from Mad Men. I, I, I Googled during the... Flip-flop that, dude. <laughs> Swap that around. No, John Hamm when, is... When, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. When, I wa- when we were watching it, I Googled, when was Mad Men? And, and the season <laughs> oh, one is 1960. Oh, when it was the f- first oh, season. Yeah, it was yeah, supposed yeah. to be 1960. Yeah, perfect, right? Segway. This is 1959, so and it's right the there. martini swilling. It's the amazing mm-hmm. suit. The suits. It's fucking... Yeah. The perfect hair. Uh, all of that stuff. So Beautiful Vista Vision. Yeah. I'm sorry. Here, no, I, I'll, I'll rein us back in now, Joe. How, <laughs> how the turns have tabled. Um, so, so yeah, a Roger Thornhill ad exec um, meeting some friends, clients. It's, you know, he, he refers to them as friends, but it seems like there's some kind of business ordeal happening. And uh, he goes to send a telegram, and sure enough, some people come and just straight up kidnap him and we and we have a classic case of straight mistaken identity yeah and so it turns out he is mistaken for this um undercover spy for the fbi and he is being hunted down by a mysterious man whose identity remains unknown for a large portion of the film and it takes him uh all across the country trying to not only figure out who George Kaplan is, the man he has been mistaken for, but also figure out what these people are up to. How does he get himself out of this? He's being, uh, um, he has all sorts of legal trouble that from the get-go, they try to kill him by pouring a bottle of bourbon down his throat so he gets arrested for <laughs> intoxicated driving and he tries to Which get out of it. Which is a great sequence. You gotta love the uh, yeah, yeah, fan, rear projection. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. oh, you love to see it. Amazing. And, and yeah, so he's trying to get out of it by explaining himself, but explaining himself only makes him look more guilty. And it's just that, I mean, it's that classic, and classic his mother, mistake. classic Hitchcock, overbearing, who, weird, yeah, critical. Who is his age? Yeah, no, he's, he's nine years older than him, but yeah, like roughly they the same age. They look the same age yeah, in this. Yeah, like yeah. when I was watching it, I was like, that could be his sister. I mean, let's <laughs> be honest here. There was some very uh, questionable casting uh, that took place in this film. And that, it, for that, for that <laughs> character, at least. 
a sex symbol, and like I mean, even in our modern sex symbols, they get to go younger. Sure, and, and back in 1959, for sure. <laughs> well, especially, and we'll get into that as you know, we talk about some of the people he meets along the way. One in particular, obviously, being a very important figure. But, uh, but yeah, so it's a mist- you know, it's a mystery thriller suspense kind of film uh it's an action movie in many ways action yeah there's a lot of great action, action sequences, sequences. Yeah, um sure. we get some supporting roles um from various people but the one that struck that the one that stuck out the most to me and also coincidentally i i'm sure these things have something to do with each other but was the had the most name recognition for me was martin landau as the oh Leonard. sure yeah. um Great early Martin Landau performance. What a striking a heavy. face this man has. Yeah. It just has this... I mean, we talked last week in Suicide Squad about the guy who plays the polka dot man having this very yeah, specific yeah. kind of... His face just sure. gives you a certain vibe right away. And Martin Landau has a menacing face. Yeah. And overall presence in this film. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, top five Hitchcock probably most would say easily i mean i'll take us down a weird hole i did a huge hitchcock personal education project you know 25 30 years ago beginning and i watched as many as i could get my hands on on the media that they were were available on at the time Mm -hmm. and i loved the jimmy stewart era i loved psycho of course the birds um psycho's okay this David, I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) Hold me back. Um, This one I did not like. For for, interesting, until this is pre the viewing for the show, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is twenty or thirty years ago. Because I've rewatched my Psycho and my Rewindo and my Vertigo and my Birds. I I I love those films. Yeah, but I always who amongst us does. I always felt like that this one I just didn't enjoy. And way back when, when I made these determinations, I didn't like Cary Grant. Mm. I, I later kind of realized I'm just a Jimmy Stewart guy when it comes to the frequent partnerships that Hitchcock did. Huh. I, I enjoyed okay. those projects. Okay. More. I mean, um, I Jimmy hate, Stewart's a vibe. Yeah. I mean, he's he is. Yeah, yeah and Carrie and, and and Jimmy Stewart was I think read for this or was was attached to this for a brief period of time and then couldn't do it and then they set they did Cary Grant and Cary Grant Jimmy Stewart couldn't be more different when it comes to the characters they portray mm-hmm. and it was, I'll skip to the chase. There were many reasons why I didn't like the film in prior to now watching it this time with Aislinn who loved it let me just say that okay when I had to kind of twist her arm to watch an old thing yeah did she watch the second film with you <laughs> no no, no significantly no, no. older <laughs> um I uh it was a completely different experience I think it was wisdom of age I really do huh. because uh, how many times in the film and let's just go into a topic if you don't mind did I say wait this was made in 1959 wait hold on this dialogue is from 1959. I'm talking about the overt kind of sexual tightrope walking that they did sure. in the uh, with his uh, female, uh, the other... Pr- Eva Marie Saint. Eva uh, Marie Saint, Saint, who was a spy sent to seduce him who, who, on a train. Yeah, we don't know... We don't know that at the time. Right. We just yeah. are seeing... I mean, her character goes... Her character probably has the most... I don't know if growth is the right word, but it goes in a lot of different directions over the course of the film because, you know, you think she's this and then you think she's this right. and then it turns out she's actually this and then, you know, the whole end end sequence as well. Yeah. But, but uh, he's, on, he's on the run. He's, he's yeah. been, he's been um, 
appears in the media even with a photograph of him right. holding a knife that yeah. was thrown into the back of the man adjacent to him that then he pulls out and, and someone then he pulls snaps out, a photo. Yeah. Which, you know, one of the tropes and, you know, criticisms of horror films, which I know this isn't a horror movie, but it is made by somebody who's very well known for horror, is characters making clearly idiotic decisions yeah. and his decision to immediately grab the fur, and not, not he didn't just grab i mean he didn't just grab it i mean he fucking no, no, grabbed no. it and he, the body slid off of he it. had it in his hand i mean he couldn't have made it look any more like he just stabbed a man right no. then he did and not to mention the fact that he saw the guy who threw it put gloves on and then he grabbed it barehanded and it's like yeah sure so you're Prints are probably the only prints on that thing. Like so you as, just as set tra- yourself up. As he sets across the country, like you said, Carlos, trying to, A, set himself free from the accusations, and B, learn what the hell's going on. Yeah. He meets Eva Marie Saint on a train, and they have some meet-cute kind of classic romantic comedies from that period, but then it turns like overtly flirtatious, and it's not just the suave Cary Grant, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, bagging the dame. It She's gets coming back r- r- harder yeah. with suggestive... <laughs> You know, tightrope, like I said, tightrope. Like you were walking. scandalized watching this film. I, I just, I, I, I just know, I just know where this fits in the canon yeah, of film, and this was yeah. boundary pushing. At the I, time. I think you're right. I think Hitchcock it, you was know, always good at that. Actually, watching that little seduction scene there between them, it, this time it actually did dawn on me the most of any viewing I, I've had of it before, where it like does almost get into erotic thriller territory sure. with, with the dialogue and the closeness. And whatever, I'm being a beautiful one. I just want to make love to her. Yeah. Why do you think I'd object? Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, wait a second. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. That that was crazy. I, I mean, first and foremost, one of, I mean, just stunning to, it's just stunningly beautiful. The film, Eva Eva Marie Saint. Oh, oh yeah. Sure, yeah, and. The production design on the film, too, though. I mean, it's a beautiful no, film to watch. Everything it is, but specifically, since we were just talking yes. about the... Hitchcock picks his blondes, he picks them well. I mean, she is she is stunning, but so much of that for me, and I realized this as the film went on, uh, came directly from her performance. I think that if you just showed me a still of her, I'd be like, yeah, she's a pretty blonde, but the attitude, the the, the attitude. And I mean, she is, she's giving the benchmark performance for femme fatale. Like this performance from her, I think is the standard at which you measure that trope. I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair statement. And it's a performance of a performance because we learn later in the film that she is being controlled uh, by Van Damme, Van Damme, Van Damme to John Claude Van Damme, because Early they role. believe that this is a spy, um, cre- uh, sent by a shadow government of the CIA, which we kind of see, to pursue Van Damme and his Cold War espionage, of which we don't even talk about the politics of the Cold War at all in the film, which no. is refreshing, or really what he's doing. Well, we just assume <laughs> right. that we don't want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos, what do you think? What do you mean? What was he doing? He was smuggling microfiche yeah. to the Russians through probably art, weapons, yeah, through, yeah, probably yeah. he obtained at expensive art auctions. Yeah. yeah. Um, of what but, doesn't matter. But yeah, so uh, anyway, so it becomes a, like you said, a pursuit across the country. One of the things I didn't like about the film was that I, uh, at the time, was that I've always felt that the crop duster scene, that iconic scene, the mm-hmm. the, the picture that was on every single news program and newspaper the when Cary Grant, you know, passed away. That's the picture of Cary Grant. Yeah. Um, I always thought that was so ludicrous because it seemed so 
uh, silly. You can kill really? this guy a million different ways. Why this way? Wasn't uh, seems kind of difficult too. It wasn't until yeah, this. Yeah, no. I mean, it's elaborate. It's ridiculous, but it's just it. It's visually stunning. It's and it's, it's a set piece in pre blockbuster cinema. Is all that that is. There's, mm-hmm. there's a rhythm to the editing in Hitchcock movies, especially I think the stuff he was doing in the fifties and sixties, where you know we've looked at Vertigo, we looked at, but I think you know the rhythm of the editing of that. I, I see it also. Um, in, in a lot of his films where it, well, the birds has, has some sequences that when you extract them and you think about, Oh, th- this shouldn't even work. But then in the context of the film, the way it moves, the the pacing of the whole thing, yeah. it works perfectly. And that crop duster sequence, I think is a, an encapsulation of that in its context. It works beautifully. If you go with it and you let sure. it build the suspense that it's supposed to hold this shot, this line, hold the next shot, this little quicker, little quicker is something that, Oh, stop <laughs> back to the you know like it just builds and builds stops build them mm-hmm. it's beautifully yeah. orchestrated film is language if you're ever gonna focus on something like that do do it with that scene do it with uh you know a few other scenes in hitchcock there's a reason that people keep going back to it yeah. and it's gonna work every time it worked it worked for me so well this time because i embraced it as did a little research on the film and it's hitchcock saying out loud at the time i've made rear window i've made vertigo i've got you know all of the things that predate this one the next one would be psycho um i want to outdo myself yeah and he put it all out but that, there but, this is a big but from what i understand felt like he had gone kind of dark and wanted to come back and do something more upbeat sure. and comic and this and, is and Cary grant delivers that yeah. attitude throughout the film Perfectly. Well, and then to think he switched back to Psycho after this. I mean, like... Arguably this, goes to the darkest I of his career I feel like this is a this. filmmaker at the height of his powers in the sense that he could just, like, pull together the budget he needed, the the crew he needed, to put together these visions exactly as he was seeing them. It's a rare thing within, like, any filmmaking context to have, I think, an artist who had as much freedom and ability to define stuff, which... Also had some negative effects to it, right? I mean, we could talk about his blondes, and we probably we haven't, but like his, you know, his track record with female actors, you know, there was a certain level of of objectification, fetishism, and, uh, and almost abuse, and, yeah, yeah, mental right. at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know a ton about that, but I I, I have seen things here yeah. and there about. I'm gonna open up this rail splitter porter, oh, yeah, and we'll yeah, talk yeah. about it at the end of our talk. Okay, we'll talk about them both at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I I will say just on a general level, I am in, I am enjoying the long tom. Oh, spoilers! Sorry, hey, I got I got to put it out there. So we're having a flight. There's different rules. Yeah, I mean, sure. I I just mentioned the the comic tone of the film for a reason because I find this film funny yeah. every time I watch. Like, there's a zippiness to it. That's yeah. what I like about Cary Grant. Jimmy Stewart's funny. Don't get me wrong, but he's kind of that like shriveling yeah. kind of funny. Jimmy Stewart's going to give it a look. Cary Grant's that suave debonair funny yeah. that when he hits it, like in a Howard Hawks film, like his girlfriend, when he's hitting the dialogue and it's coming out of his mouth, the way he looks, the way, and strangely enough, he looks like an old man to me, but he also yeah. looks absolutely fresh and clean and sparkling and new. Like, how does that happen simultaneously? He, yeah, he's, he, he's interesting. Who, so I was thinking about this as I was watching it. Who do you... Who is his analog in now, today's Clooney? You think Clooney? Clooney is close Clooney eight years ago. Cl- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ocean's era Clooney. Now I, that's a very good question. McConaughey. 
The Rock? No, McConaughey is the somebody else, but not Cary Grant. Not Cary Grant? No. Because uh, he, he's get, he's getting older, and he's still pretty handsome. No, yeah, but, but he's the... And he can be funny, even though he now fancies himself right, but, a serious but, but actor Cary for whatever Grant fucking reason. But Cary Grant has an reason. elegance that McConaughey does not have. That's true, but that's on purpose. Sure. On McConaughey's part. I think, he, I think McConaughey does have that elegance, and he wants to be more folksy. He's fighting against it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great question. Would want more Who, like who's a Paul the Newman Who's the modern day Eva Marie Saint? Now that is a question I hadn't. I am not prepared to answer, especially because I don't know enough After hours, about I'm holding you to it. Yeah, well, they, I don't. Wow, I don't. We, I don't know enough about her body of work as a whole. Like I had never heard of her before watching this. Right. Yeah. But, I don't but, care. Well, oh, you've never seen on the waterfront. Huh? I've never seen on oh, the waterfront. So, so when I was watching this and I saw and I saw her and. After the train car sequence, I was like, "Who is this? This is yeah, yeah. a gr- great performance." And I, I, I looked, I looked her up. She had won I, the Academy yeah. Award, I think, the year before. Okay, see, I, I, I'm, I'm not as familiar with her. I mean, I, I don't actually know if I've seen or another on the Carrie. Waterfront. I don't actually know if I've seen another Cary Grant film that I can think of off the top of my head. I, but I know who he is as a figure, sure. and I could name you some other. Roman I mean, he was, Holiday, but we could go. He was on a Notorious with She's Hitchcock. Still you know? alive. She I, is I still mean, alive. I have, I'm yeah. happy to know that, but I hadn't she's, looked. She's yeah. 89. She's almost 100. Yeah, oh, she's in her 90s. 99. Yeah. She's ni- uh, She was born in 2024. 20, 24. 24. Wow. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. I hope she makes it to 100. Well, she in this film delivers, you know, a a. a, a fantastic performance and like i said she's in complete control Mm -hmm. until she is not and then she has zero control of situation it turns out that she's the mistress or lover of the uh of van damme our our villain yeah she was sent to seduce him because he van damme believed that this was george kaplan Uh and and of course george kaplan would be trained in being able to you know make concoct a very wise story about how he is not george kaplan so Mm -hmm. this is still so this has got to be him yes yes but there is no george kaplan we learn yeah that the entire his suits are being fiction (laughs) there i mean talk about wasteful government spending they're moving this man's suits but that's why they were all like terrible size they were like picked up at a goodwill they just grabbed like 10 (laughs) suits off the no, so, I, 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 I mean, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think about that because he tries it on and, and it's, it's like, like way garbage. Too small <laughs> it's like, <yeah. laughs> Spud Webb wore this to uh, yeah, the yeah. '96 uh, All Star game. No, <laughs> it didn't happen. No. Yeah, that, yeah, the fun part of this is just how it's a snapshot film of 1959. So oh, you sure. see telegrams and telegrams. the fashion, the men's the fashion. Do the, they go? They don't go to an automat. No, they don't. The, the trains, I, just I all of that is just fun to watch. It is. It's and, and great period. Capture. I mean, it captures the period. I didn't want to dismiss what you were trying to get at earlier. The look of the film, the gorgeous palette. I just, it's, it's a sumptuous film to watch. I, I really appreciate the level of detail that was going in. Like I say, this is, this was an artist who was being given all the money that he wanted to execute the vision that he had, working with the crew that he wanted to create that world. I mean, the chase on Mount Rushmore to end it is, as, as sort of hokey as it seems now. I mean, just imagine how. Mm thrilling yeah that was at the time yeah. that that's like the on i mean it was thrilling for me that's the oncoming of the action spectacle exactly. of the modern we, era we take yeah. that the final bla- battle is at mount rushmore right. or washington monument or eiffel tower for granted right. now because it's been done a million times right uh, and even bigger than that too i mean they went to space in fast nine sure all right of course <laughs> we, we, we should, we're finding we, ways to <laughs> never forget never forget so but this this was groundbreaking at the time oh yeah should, yeah, I, should, should we talk about that in more detail about the F9, events? The, no, the events surrounding the Mount Rushmore. 
ending sequence. I, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, I, you know, I I was watching it and like, you know, Mount Rushmore is not my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> like, no, it's it seems like a, a somewhat wrongheaded. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm proud to be an American. And I'm not going to go into Lee Greenwood right now, but I almost thank, did. Thank you. But uh, I, I, I felt it coming. Yeah, I almost did. I'm, it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But the but my but my my feeling is it was a wrongheaded move on the part of like come on I'm about celebrating America, but you don't go take like you don't land that's land. already kind of claimed for a certain purpose well the government had given that land to them right and right. then once there was like minerals found there we're like, like we're taking it, back. taking it back hired a kkk and member we're gonna t- <laughs> to carve right. you know the slave owners was that, was that the, widely known at the time you think uh i think it was i think it was because the guy whose name starts with a b who i can't remember off the top of my head he was hired to carve um confederate leaders into stone mountain um but was difficult to deal with. And so, I mean, clearly had ties to that way of thinking of memorializing the Confederacy and stuff. Mm. And was, I think, openly a member of the Ku Klux Klan in Georgia. He was fired from that job doing Stone Mountain. And then like a year or two later was brought on to do Mount Rushmore. But I feel like we're doing it a disservice to Mount Rushmore Brewing Company. Though, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because the, these people, their didn't, clientele is no, largely no. going to visit. For sure, for this. sure. And and look, that being said, I never seen it. And before I knew any of this information, I maybe I had my head in the sand. I, I still want to. It's well, no, and I, that's I was about to say the same thing is that I would. If I was in the area or whatever, yeah. it's something I would. I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't go on a vacation just to go there and like hmm. you know whatever. But if I was like on a road trip or something and yeah. we were driving through South Dakota, I would certainly stop, especially because the little cafeteria place that they were in. Um, yeah. When she shoots him with the blanks, uh, I I just want to see if that still looks. Oh. the way that it does. I'm curious how oh, if I you could go and if it resembles wonder, it in any way, shape, or form. preserved it because of the... Uh, but, but really what I wanted to talk about more than anything about the Mount Rushmore thing in the context of this film is that Hitchcock was given a uh, license to film in that national park under the pretense that there would be... that they would not film on top of or on the actual monument itself Uh and that no violent scenes or anything would take place in that area. And then they built a replica to have the violent end scene on top of Mount Rushmore. (laughs) And because it had been widely publicized that the national park service had allowed them to film in the little cafeteria thing and the forest around, you know, people thought, and and I even thought before I read that after watching the film, I thought they were on Mount Rushmore. Like I thought it was the real deal. I mean, it was very convincing. I would only assume that they would not have done that for safety purposes. Well, that, and that was one of the things that made me look it up was that I, it seems like that's what it was. And I was like, wait a second, how did they do this? It, It was, early on in Cary Grant doing his LSD therapy he came to the realization <laughs> that he needed to do it on the face of the actual he had to do all of the stunts himself yeah. Tom Cruise owes, owes his <laughs> life in to an Cary amazing Grant. suit did we mention that yet in an incredible suit right. uh, but I don't know I thought th- I thought that that was an interesting tidbit is uh, you know imagine the spectacle in 1959 when Americans didn't have the internet you know pre-CGI too I mean now to now see. 
Mount Rushmore yeah. as a landmark on the big screen. Uh-huh. You know, that, that's something that you'd heard of. Like when the Brady's went to Hawaii. Like when the Brady's went to Hawaii. Kind of yeah. same concept. Or in or, or in like <laughs> Or in like National Geographic or something, yeah, you've right, seen photos right. of it printed yeah. places. You hadn't seen vision. it like this, you know. But yeah, and, and 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 also like nowadays, if we see something spectacular, even even stuff like Tom Cruise, like I remember, I don't know, was it Ghost Protocol or something like that? He's like on the side of an airplane holding on and it's like in flight Mm -hmm. and you know when you see stuff like that nowadays even though in that particular case he actually did that and it was like a big problem for production because he wouldn't not do it and they were like tom you don't have to do this and he was like no i'm doing it and there's all sorts of logistical (laughs) stuff to figure out around that but unless you read that in the, the hollywood reporter or whatever you just assume like, oh yeah, that's on like a soundstage somewhere with a green screen. You think it's CGI, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. But back then with this, yeah, I mean, with, again, to me, seeing this, what, how many, 62 years later and having seen all of the films with the technological shine that I've seen, I was convinced, I was convinced by this in 2021 that it was on Mount Rushmore. You know yeah, what I mean? So at the time, especially without... There was no CGI. Yeah, was they had no matte shots and, you know, and sculptures yeah, on stage. Sure, and I was not. I to me that the the fakeness of it all is distracting. So that's a very interesting. See, thing I, bought, had. I yeah. bought in. I I bought into yeah. it, and I and I can't imagine a 1959 but I, audience. I do without not deduct all... points. I don't deduct points because it was a cinematic marvel at the time, yeah. and, and, and it still is. If Carlos can works. sit next to me and say exactly, yeah, I, I think I it didn't works. fool me at all. It yeah. Fooled, yeah, it didn't fool me. Also. This is a, a much different topic, I think. Um, but watching it, there's a certain look to this era of film, and I don't know if it's the Technicolor that creates it, but I just find it interesting that every like the it just looks like a different universe. No, it, I mean t- Technicolor and and the way that they treated film at at that time, it does have a different look to it, a vibrancy, especially when it's been well-preserved or well-restored. But yeah. yeah, you see a film like... It's like Wizard of Oz. I mean, you see Wizard yeah. of Oz, and it has that striking, these really intense hues that you don't normally get. With the attention they paid to those hues. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. Part of it's production design. Yeah. Part of it is the cinematography. It all comes together to create a look that is vibrant and eye-popping, all- eye-catching. It's like the cleanest, like, brightest version of a city that you would ever see. Yeah. I mean, it's like... And I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if like some film special effect or whatever, like for instance, um, the kind of quasi real animation of like a scanner darkly or something like yeah. that. Or, or what was the one before that, that he did in the same style? Waking life. Waking life. Imagine if that was like an Instagram filter and you could like <laughs> reduce the intensity of it to where it's like yeah, a more subtle. It's almost something mean. like that where it doesn't like quite look real. It almost real. makes it feel cartoonish or graphic novel. like. Yeah. You, it you doesn't could quite imagine. look real. Yeah. But it, it's so good. Very sharp and clean. I really, I really like it. I really like the Technicolor look. I wish that there was a way that, I'm sure there is a way that it could be mimicked, but not perfectly recreated. But I would like to see. Yeah, so Guy Madden like somebody do it. That stuff. Somebody should do it. That Ryan Johnson, I feel like Ryan would, Johnson would have could do it. In, he, do, in doing that, if if we could go back in time yeah. and give him more money to make brick. <laughs> and have him do that on break oh, that would maybe. have been incredible incredible idea 
so it sounds like it's unanimous. North yeah, so, by Northwest. My new, my new rewatching. I I loved it. it the okay, stock went okay. up so high, and Carrie Grant. I assumed you were setting it up that way. What was I think? I think that that and the cramp, the, the the nail in the coffin of why this movie was so good for me was uh, as an older man now, being able to understand old, the Jim. sexual underpinnings and the sexual dialogue and how groundbreaking that was. And we have to mention they get back on the train. They're newly married, I believe, and he kisses her dips her down onto the bed the top bunk and then a train goes (laughs) through a tunnel and i laughed Uh, out loud i had seen that before i laughed out loud i forgot that hitchcock that cheeky bastard man that's that is is cheeky on the nose i didn't fantastic i didn't laugh it loud at that even though now that you pointed out that way it's it is really funny yeah i was upset What do you, you mean? were upset? The my only critique of this film is its ending. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's like, wildly abrupt. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's kind of great so because abrupt. and you hate Psycho because that's Psycho. The problem with Psycho is the ending, the no, long I, no, narrative no, no, nonsense. No, 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 no the, I like I, I like Psycho. Okay. I was just talking shit. Like, but Psycho, but that is Psycho is an amazing Psycho. film. I don't, don't explain it to me. The end, just cut it off. Well, okay, but I don't know. I don't mind this film. I love that ending. I love that it's kind of like it's arbitrary, folks. You know they're going to get together. They're fucking go. <laughs> like that's the end. That's all you need to know. It's just so yeah. Does he get in bed with her? He does. The end. It's 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 less of a narrative thing. Than and we're it is happy a, for him. It's less of a narrative <laughs> issue than a tonal issue. You go from extreme peril, right? Yeah, yeah. To extreme to, bliss, literally in the snap of a yeah. finger. I mean, it could be more abrupt. How amazing! How just economical. I mean, sure, and that and that is something, and that is one of the things that I like about the next one we're going to talk about. But it is it is it is economical filmmaking. If there's anything that we have, I think you can do that when the film is already over two hours. You're like, okay, they get the point. The end. Uh, (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. I I don't know. I it didn't ruin the film for me, and I certainly didn't like hate it necessarily. But being it's bold. Being it's the bold fan choice. of of like the romantic comedy that I am, I want I want to pull up onto the top of the mountain, kiss, sun's rising in the background. Segue into then credit train. sequence with bloopers uh-huh. and give me some bloopers. Yeah, is lifting me high. Right, a or, bl- yeah, or a blimp um, is inflated. Yeah, keep the. Are we on going. Mount Rushmore? Are we on a sound? Ah! <laughs> or in this, uh, or or you could do the Pete Townsend. Uh, Let my love open the door. <laughs> to your heart, love, oh, what dog. was he talking about? As the as the okay. train, right, our reimagined version of by Northwest is, is significantly worse. worse. It's, it's so much worse. worse. Carlos, you, the porters, you're so behind us. Well, on this no, because I like okay, because I you're enjoying the IPA. I liked the IPA, and so I went for a second serving yeah. of the IPA, and I and then I tried the porter for you no, again. No, 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 I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. I'm going to say. The, I'll let you guys start already, the conversation. I, I already tipped my uh, hand earlier, and I said I was enjoying the IPA. I'll go back and, and reassert that. I think that was an excellent, uh, like, standard American yeah. IPA. No. Where it's, but if there is ever a time for a standard American IPA, it's, it's in this context. Rushmore. And and not bitter, not like the super bitter version, yeah. no. not the West Coast, like a real just straight ahead old school American IPA. Honest nice. blue collar Midwestern I, yeah, I, American IPA. I felt IPA. as honest and blue collar <laughs> as I felt in a while drinking that beer. If I was pursued by a crop duster in a cornfield, yeah, and then I had crop dust all over me, and I finally got a ride. <laughs> 
ride back to town, yeah, I might. Uh, this is what I would order just to like mm. completely refresh and clean out Good all of the the dust. So it, you're right. It, it's not too big. It's a textbook IPA. Yeah, they did a great job. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've discussed this many times, but no frills, no gimmicks. You know. Yeah. Just beer. At, this, at these times. Just beer. At these times in where we are in the world and in the country. That's fun to get from time to time. Sometimes you just need beer. Do you do you mind if I tell you a little bit more about this porter we're drinking? Go for David, it, David. Have you had the porter yet? Mm-hmm. It's the rail splitter. Lincoln is on the can. Okay. Controversial figure. Five point three. This is the smallest of the ABVs we drink if we elect to do the uh, the third beer. A uh, very little hop aroma. Restrained roasted malt in front. Full bodied with a dry to slightly sweet and balanced finish. What do you think? I think truth in advertising on that can. That was that again, a very consistent interpretation of the porter that stays in line with what I expect from a porter, but delivers it really well. I mean, I enjoyed drinking it. Uh, I had no problems with it. Yeah, I mean, basically the same review of the porter that I gave to the IPA. It's it's beer. It is straight ahead. Exactly the style. It's nailing the style. It's nailing the style. No frills, no gimmicks, just the beer. And interestingly, one of the things that this makes me think about is a conversation that we had a very long time ago on the podcast about the difference between a porter and a stout. Yeah. Because by definition alone, there is little to no difference. Right. And... I think at the time someone can go back if you were if you're that diehard beer and <laughs> a movie fan that you remember what episode that happens in because I do not certainly, <laughs> but I I have always kind of considered the difference more so to be in body than anything else. I find porters typically are a slightly lighter bodied. Yeah, than a stout I, re- I remember be. this argument. Yeah, yeah. and I and, mean, and I I could this be, position. Yeah, that's that's my take on it. I could you could disagree. I could be wrong. You know, it's possible. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes I am wrong. Uh, <laughs> and and this one is kind of fitting that bill for me. Like you said, it's the lowest of the ABVs of what we'll have tonight, uh, at least on the main episode. Five point three. I will say slightly I like lighter, the, but uh, it's I good. like the IPA more than the porter. Oh, it's real. But is that is that because you like the style? No, no, no I was going to no, ask no, that no. too. I like the IPA as the IPA is winning right now. How's that? If I had to choose to get one more after I was done with these two, uh, the porter I, like I would porter. like to see a little more, a little more, a little more. But I'm not complaining at all. I'm not complaining at all. That's interesting. I to me, I I put them neck and neck. I I couldn't pick one over the other right now. I think that both are really like this is the perfect. If I walk into a brew pub that I've never been to before, or or a tap room, or whatever we're talking about, mm-hmm. and I get their IPA and their porter. This is like an ideal scenario, I feel like. If they're handing me these for what they're billing as a straight-up IPA and a straight-up porter, I'm going to think, these people know how to execute on style. I want to drink more of their beer. Well, let's not create any false, you know, anything here. We're going to full, go ahead full bore, right? I think it's, so. It's got at a this shame. point, we got to yeah. do it. I'm so Especially glad that you Well, yeah, you will honor the tie-in that I thought of before I got here. Yes. That's a lot. So we'll find out what takes us to the Scottish Highlands when we get back.
<laughs> had to make sure that I won we should the have, game this We could week. have partnered this with Ed Wood to have, you know, encapsulated that Martin Landau connection. <laughs> His yeah. name did not come up in the first half, which I'm sad to say because he was fantastic. Martin Landau, I did. Oh, you did? I did. I, I did mention God. him right at the top. Yes. And interestingly enough... I am my my connection to his daughter is much stronger. Oh boy, David, Martin. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't know we were going down. This Juliet path. Landau played Drusilla in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, and is that she right? is she is. I did. I didn't marvelous. know this. I don't know that. Okay. Marvelous in did, that has show. Has she gone on to have a career since then, or not? <laughs> The first run through that I did, and then also the most recent run yeah. through that we did of Buffy, um, I. Both times I, I looked her up to see look at the rest of her filmography and not a whole lot of noteworthy roles inside of that. And Drusilla is such a singular performance as well. She Gene. showed up in Bosch. Oh, the show Bosch? Bosch. I have not watched that. Uh, we will we, we will talk about some things that... I, the listeners that, are waiting for me to pull you <laughs> Okay. We will talk about some things yeah, I have yeah, watched yeah, in the yeah. After hour, Hours episode. Patreon.com slash Brian Movie Podcast. We'll Five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. Um... So anyway, we are a three-peating Mount Rushmore Brewing Company. Um, and, you know, I for us. I always like to say, and it is a, it is a, a motto that I, I think I live by and that I've probably spoken to you guys before, speak softly and carry big beers. Uh-huh. Uh, and <laughs> this is the Trust Buster. Uh, that's Theodore Roosevelt on the can there. There he is. Um, that teddy bear of a man. Oh man, early presidents are such a <laughs> such a strange. Topic. He wasn't even that early. He's like mid period. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. Um, uh, pre pre he FDR. Fangled president. I don't know. All presidents in general are I kind know. of bastards. But anyway, uh, <laughs> trustbuster, uh, sweet malty aroma, medium bodied malt forward with a slightly sweet finish and very low bitterness. This is a Scottish ale, BT Dubs, which I feel like we already mentioned. So I at first didn't feel like I needed to repeat it, but I will. Adhering closely to the tradition of the Scottish export or 80 shilling, or Scottish is full on the palate with a nice toasty finish, picking up its deep reddish color and marked. Uh, malty caramel or caramel we'll debate that later uh flavor from the traditional long kettle boil ingredients two row pale ale and crystal malt with williamette hops um and you know as always we we always um want you guys to pursue these breweries farther so rushmore.beer is where you can find more information about this brewing uh company and so i i would very much um recommend maybe just seeing um Seeing what their vibe is, what the deal is with them, because so far the beer, the first yeah, two beers we had, they're we batting two out of three. Yeah, so and we'll see if they can shoot a hundred percent from the field. I should have got a fourth beer. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> what we, you know, these are we, gift we, beers. We it's all beer. good. Um, we'll have a fourth beer in the after hours. Patreon.com slash beer movie podcast. <laughs> so it was an appropriate tie-in here. This is this kind of worked out perfectly. It couldn't have been more of, appropriate. I know. Um, we, we didn't plan it that way, folks. But uh, there we are kilts in this movie that we're about to talk. There about. are. And it, it, we thought we need to do another Hitchcock film. Let's do like North by Northwest, Mount Rushmore. This, this would be a great way to drink these beers and pair them with a film that we all know that our listeners will be sure. interested in. Um, and I'd hope so. We, we had done Hitchcock in the past. We did our Vertigo and Rear Window episode. We had touched on Psycho when we did it for, for uh, Halloween. All Horror yeah, October. All, yep. God, I can't wait to do that again. Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, but, you know, we, we thought, let's go a little bit back 
And let's stick with, to a certain extent, this kind of misidentified man, right? The, the, this whole idea yeah. of the mistaken, um, identity. mistaken identity plot that Hitchcock returns to again and again throughout his career. Yeah. Um, very early in the 20s, uh, right? I th- no, this I is think, 35. No, I'm saying that he already had touched oh. on it in the 20s. Oh, okay. with, with and, and the title's going to escape me. But this being the instance in the 30s, 1935, mm-hmm. the 39 Steps... Uh, Robert Denat, mm-hmm. uh, who is is debonair in his own way. Yeah, um, but, he, he's a commoner in the film, and he plays him well. Yeah, I think so. Or is he? Is right. he a commoner? <laughs> um, so the, you know, basically, uh, this man who gets tied up with a spy, right? Who kind of reveals herself to him mm-hmm. in this kind of commotion of this theater being emptied um, after some gunshots going off, and. He, Are you talking about the vaudeville show starring Mr. 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 Memory? Mr. Memory, Mr. Yeah. Memory yeah. who can dictate facts. 50 yeah. facts a day. He learns <laughs> and remembers them all. Right. Step right up. Yeah, geography, whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, so at this vaudeville show. So he gets tied up with this woman who basically draws femme fatale, right? Yeah. Draws him into this world of international espionage as there's clearly this conspiracy going on to get these government secrets out. And it's unclear what those secrets are. We Border, do, they do borderline the same film. Have the 39 Steps? The 39 Steps. I don't know reference. anything about that. Well, then forget that I said that. <laughs> it may come up later. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. This is oh, borderline yeah. the same beautiful. plot, by the this way. This is some yeah, fantastic screenwriting. Oh yeah. No, but it, uh, if for 1939, it's incredible. Uh, but, 35. But yeah. I've to said set much. up a suave debonair guy to go on this crazy journey where he's going to meet all these, you know, farmers and their wives with sexual tension. Yeah, oh, that's from London that to scene. Scotland. Yeah. Because because. After he harbors her for the evening, and she right. kind of gives this labyrinthine explanation that something's going on, in the she middle dies. of the night, she stumbles in she's with a knife in her back. Right, right. We saw a knife in her back at the, at the with a map. Yeah, she's holding a map, and the map is Scotland. It and, is uh, with a village circled. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> same rule number film. one, folks: when somebody dies in your bedroom <laughs> and they're holding back, a map, right. you hand that over to the police, you say, and you just say, "I'll never visit that spot." Right. That's yeah. But no, I didn't do it. You're too, you're too deep, she says yeah. before she dies. You're mm-hmm. in too deep. So he decides that the best way to clear his name and flee being a murder suspect. Well, because he's suspected of murder, right? right? I mean, yeah. is to go to Scotland and find out what's going North on. North by Northwest, folks. Exactly. <laughs> same thing. Same, right, right. same film. Yeah. Let me go across the countries. Yeah. Uh, to a. a Prove my innocence and B, find out what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. And if I stumble across a guy with a middle finger cut off, I need to be wary because I was told by the femme fatale. Pinky above the knuckle. Yeah. Right, what did I right. say? Pinky? You said middle finger. Middle. Son of a. I know you want to give us well, the you middle were like, finger. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was just my fist. Yeah. That, my that, middle finger was cut off. No, but if you stumble across that guy, watch out for that guy. He's bad, she says before she dies. Mm-hmm. And sends him off on a whirlwind. Yeah. This gorgeously shot whirlwind from Britain to Scotland. Including prominent train scenes. Yes. Gotta love the train scenes. A blonde. Scenes. Gotta love the <laughs> blonde. blonde. Who, who, he impre- who he imposes himself upon <laughs> and who kind of becomes a villainous character, you know, a, yeah, a, that's, I guess, an antagonist character. I guess that's the difference is she more, she inserts himself, or she in the first film, Eva Marie Saint, inserts herself into She pretends Thornhill's. for a while. And well, she saves him. Right. By saying, oh, yeah, he went that way or whatever. Yeah. And this girl doesn't. No. Uh, right. Quite the opposite. That's the big difference. To see different movies. 
<laughs> one's in color, one's not. <laughs> it one's set and in leave uh, it up to the Hitchcock. UK, the other's not. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it up to Hitchcock to not to at the beginning of the film when she you know turns him into the police in that moment that he meets her again later and they end up handcuffed together. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Where she can take off her sexy hose in front of a fire. Mm-hmm. The world of Hitchcock, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, this guy knew his sensuality, like groundbreaking sensuality for the time of every single. And you can tell just by looking in. at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oozing, very erotic, oozing sexuality, very erotic. Oh. Do we have to watch you? Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, what an interesting bloke. Yeah, Hitchcock yeah. Was. This it's a, it's a chase film. It's a chase film. Yeah. It's a it's a fugitive film. A fugitive of justice mm-hmm. film. Um, mm-hmm. And along the way, he has to shack up. He he pays a farmer to to sleep overnight, just to get a rest. And this, these Scottish moors that he's trying to just flee from the police mm-hmm. continually. Yeah, there's a and meets his wife, meets the farmer's wife, mm-hmm. and that sets up a scene that is just you know. Uh, yeah, that scene is, you know, when when it was first happening, I was like, oh, what an interesting kind of like throwaway scene. And it turns out not a throwaway scene. Um, yeah. so, some of him, his journey through Scotland right. uh, reminded me of uh, a film we talked about recently. It gave me very Green Knight vibes at times. The huh. kind of landscapes he that like he's going scenarios through, that you know, yeah, the yeah. way that no, it's especially, it's especially that, yeah. the kind of bumbling Gawain that we get, not the noble knight, but the kind of kid trying to figure it out sure. kind of thing. I, I don't know. I was, it, and obviously this is like a, a recency bias, I think is the word that I'm looking for, the f- commonly used phrase. But um, because we had watched that so recently and you know, similar settings and yeah. kind of things like that, I, I found that. So I, I love shit like this. Mm-hmm. I love the classic black and white, shadowy high contrast kind of film noir. And it's, I mean, there is this scene that it couldn't get any more film noir. It's early in the film when, you know, she's telling him kind of filling him in about what's going on and that there are these men outside, you know, whatever. And then it cuts to the men outside standing under a street lamp. And it's just this uh-huh. black and white contrast shadow play, Light just like fucking, you know, frame it and put it on a wall you know it's just this perfect shot where it's like not realistic at all like that's not what you know it's kind of like what i was talking about with the technicolor earlier where it kind of looks almost like a fantasy yeah this looked that way too i mean these shattery trench shadowy trench coated you know brimmed hat shadowy kind of uh figures lurking about and i don't know there's just it's classic mm-hmm. classic early film making that just has this charm about it yeah i think we have to talk about robert donat for a little while i mean this guy is a lead i don't know anything about him other than seeing in this film now my second time many 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 years later after watching it the first time this guy's a leading man and he gets himself into and out of situations with a charm and a and a sense of humor the entire time. And it's what really, I think, to me, makes the film more watchable. I mean, if you had had any, an actor putting in a performance that was earnest or anything, this guy's got the perfect mix of charm and humor to really. He's got a great of, mustache. Oh, he's got a fantastic mustache. <laughs> Speaking of clothes, uh, he's got that um, series of coats throughout yeah. the film. Yeah, there's I a got. great many coats. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. One of which saves his life. Yeah. No, it's, uh, we were talking about North by Northwest as kind of a period film where you look at it and you can really see like the New York advertising Mad Men era and it, in its actual moment yeah. being depicted in maybe some idealized version. I think similarly, you're kind of seeing 30s era London and eventually Scott, but certainly the, the scenes that are taking place in London and stuff where it's, you know, that is what that era kind of looked like in, in this really, uh, I don't know. It, it's 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 funny to kind of transport back in time, and and again to see these films back to back to kind of see the resonances in that we're basically playing out the same scenario just in a slightly different time period, different time, different place, different circumstances. I mean, this is, you know, it's Cold War and North by Northwest. This is kind of like inter-world war period like the between yeah, the world wars we're probably yeah. people i don't again we talked about this last week i feel with my somewhat amateur knowledge of world history or whatever but uh-huh. i feel like at this point there's probably some worry going on about what's happening oh, sure. in, yeah, no, in europe tension. you know there's, there's tension, tension and, yeah. and having just played out an entire so the completely idea devastating a, world war and now a silent plane engine being that, that, yeah that, that is <laughs> which we don't find out until the end uh, no and how i mean the twist at the end the way that everything kind of unfolds is masterclass and and ridiculous at the same oh, time yeah ridiculous. it's so good but, but fun but fun if i mean that i feel the guy like gets shot with a gun our protagonist and because he's wearing the farmers the pious farmers prayer coat book. yeah he's got the hymnal in yeah. his breast pocket i mean but that's that's like straight out of i mean i don't know well okay Pro- probably probably this trope hadn't happened yet in film but it is one that we see later that the setting of the film predates the setting of this film, but like in the old West films, I mean, you see the sheriff's badge, but you know, yeah. that's like yeah. having something in your pocket that blocks a bullet or whatever. I mean, that's I've classic seen it with a cigarette case, but never with a hymnal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, certainly yeah. uh, but, but, a okay. different object, but yeah. So my thesis classic. on this movie is that it predates bond in a way that oh. North by Northwest even better because well, North by Northwest North came by out Northwest three years, four years closer yeah, uh, before yeah. Doctor No, which and was the first. And you can film. see the you the reverberations see, right. there. But then when you look back to this, but you this see, one, this guy is going through countries on a spy mission, right? And he uh, attracts, has contact with three beautiful women, mm-hmm. and kind of has a, a sexual. Okay, let me start over. At the end, <laughs> the end scene, they have been in handcuffs. He and the girl that he was yeah, tied to that yeah. they eventually you know come to. And, admire one another um and she gets out of the handcuffs and then she's there when he is proven innocent and then the last shot amazing mm-hmm. he's got the handcuff that's lo- with with yeah. one cuff loose and she's got her free hands and they hold hands yes. over the corpse yeah fantastic yeah um bond similarly that's abrupt. a bond movie man <laughs> similarly, got- it's similarly abrupt yeah i mean i don't know i a black and white Hitchcock British Bond movie, by the way. yeah, from the thirties. And despite you know some of these things being ridiculous, like we said, the hymnal blocking the bullet and like the kind of silly way that the movie ends or whatever, I don't think there was ever anything about this movie that was like super grounded in reality. And so to have these moments where it's really just like expert screenwriting, kind of tying up loose ends, you know what I mean? Like when I when I started this film, this is the first 
you know, it was the first time I'd seen North by Northwest in the first half, mm-hmm. which I should mention because I didn't in the in the first. I feel in my personal estimation, and I haven't seen as much of the classic stuff as I think either of y'all have. But to me, it's quintessential classic Hollywood, which I loved about it. And in this one, I feel like this is like um, a blueprint for f- excellently executed film noir. Sure. And when I started watching this, I didn't think at all that Mr. Memory was going to be like really that big a deal. Right. You know, I thought it was just like a fun kind of way to start it. And like vaudeville was probably still right. kind of a thing at the time. In the 30s, the world that we live you know, in. Yeah. and it's just kind of like the, just kind of like if you started a movie with some people, some people going to a movie, like sure. if it was set in the 80s or going to a mall where it's set at the set in the 80s. That's just time period setting up a world that the audience can relate to kind of thing. And then for it to come around with the information's being smuggled out via Mr. Memory, because he can commit all these things to memory. And the way that we find out what he is trying to smuggle out is by rapid fire asking him questions and instinctually he just starts rattling off the information. Yeah. Right. I mean, watch the 39 steps. (laughs) Say it. Yeah. Fucking brilliant! <laughs> so and, and, good. And, and the reason why the the spy, the female spy at the beginning was there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why. The, yeah, he's just a commoner going to a vaudeville show. I love She's a book a spy ending. That's sitting next to him. I love though, a book ending. Interestingly, of the film. that see that's the thing that always kind of and I had seen this, but it was a while ago, and I did not remember it very well. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um. Me too. But what? But watching this again, it struck me immediately like. This guy knows way too much to just be a dude at the theater. He's got, and the book it's adapted from. I mean, this is a spy character. I mean, he yeah. is a spy, right. and he he is a James Bond. I mean, he's like a secret agent type character who does this. So that's never really, it, it's never made obvious or rejected outright in this film. It's just it's never clear where this guy come from. We don't even know that he's an advertising executive like Roger Thornhill yeah. in, uh, in North by Northwest. It's just, he happened to be at the theater that night. Now he's on this crazy goose shit, you know? So you don't even know, but the, but the book does presuppose that this guy is a secret agent, which oh, makes yeah, a whole yeah. lot more sense. Right. Just in the, <laughs> sure. Like, I, I, like, I like the idea of him being kind of a common guy. Yeah, he's though. a wrong man in the wrong place. Well, but, just but, figuring it out. But then towards the end, it wouldn't make as much sense what's driving him. Like, why are you, why do you need to crack this case? Like, just figure out what. Hey, some people just have this innate curiosity that cannot no, be satiated. No, no, As he goes along, the stakes heighten. I mean, he, he, he realizes that every step he's made has been the wrong step in that he's gone into the system that's there to convict him for this crime he did not commit. It, yeah, I mean, it's so like. He's got to get to the next step. Yeah. It's like it's like how you start off, you know, you just take a little hit of a joint, right? Then you're then you're doing blow. Next thing you know, you're doing heroin. You know, it escalates. Are we talking about the gateway drug? It's a gateway oh, drug. Oh, vaudeville, <laughs> mistaken identity. Vaudeville drug. attendance <laughs> is the gateway drug. Uh, vaudeville to super attendance spy is them. the gateway drug to being inter- an, 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 yeah, a, a, a member of international. international man this is a good mystery. idea. I think you need to like uh, write a screenplay that is like the mistaken identity <laughs> film, but like they, they use the Pineapple Express meets the Thirty Nine. There steps, you go. You know? yeah. It sounds like we all. I loved yeah, it man. again. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's marvelous. As a time capsule, seeing like, and I, I the helicopter. We, Hold on, the helicopter. The helicopter. 
the shot of the helicopter. Yeah, the auto gyro. The auto gyro, not a helicopter. Hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy. What a beautiful snapshot. But that was like a technological marvel. That was Mission Impossible shit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's like your pen turning into like some kind of a pencil. Oh, gadget oh, like okay. in Bond, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, like, like a, a oh, microphone see, that you can use to communicate with a satellite. That yeah, has, oh, when uh, people yeah, yeah. saw that in the sixties, they were like, "Wow!" You know, when people saw a fucking auto gyro, they're like, "What fucking sorcery is this?" You <laughs> right, know, you know, and like, I'm like, "If you're gonna call it an auto gyro, I want it to be in some pita bread, pita and bread it, with yeah, a nice I mean, that's ziti." How you get that right, auto. Auto. I goes open my mouth Zatziki? and somehow it gets Zatziki. inside. Zatziki. Yeah. yeah. The, I, the auto portion. I mean, this this is a whole lot of fun if if you go with auto it. Um, I, it's on HBO Max. So it was the first film. I mean, these are available. Yeah, these are available if you have Max. Which I, honestly, people, like, you if you have a if if our listener, I don't think you would if you're listening to this. But if you do have this block up about going back to these films, I mean, oh, Joe, you said it please. with the first one that when you got Aislinn to watch it, she was oh. excited to see North by Northwest when when she was watching it. And no, I think he said that he had a hard time getting her to watch or something. Right, but old. she liked right. it. She, but, so, but she did like no, it. I, th- I think, I think that I've got some juice here to even recommend another Cary Grant Hitchcock film. So maybe in after hours you can help. Notorious. Yeah, which one I should do? Yeah. There's a few. Yeah. So I think these films they stand up, and and certainly if you are being shy about engaging with the Hitchcock stuff, don't. It's it's great it's, storytelling doesn't age. It, yeah, and and at the very least, like. It's such clear and sharp storytelling that you can see its reverberations all through the... We've already talked about, you know, these films that have come after that clearly took their cues from... Oh, it. yeah. These Metallica oh. music videos that came out. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. And the suits, guys, the suits. Yeah. The hats. Yeah. yeah. Stockings. Yeah. So next time fun. you go to the, uh, the the shop to get yourself a suit, just ask Cary Grant cut. Well, no, no question. Just say, I need your a belt Cary, below your nipples. <laughs> Cary Grant cut. But he had the white suit. socks with the black, the, yeah. the Navy suit and the black shoes up on the girder of the Mount Rushmore house. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just class. Man. Oh, class. I am so mad at myself for not acknowledging the mid-century modern architecture of yeah well it's north by northwest i mean beautiful fuck that house oh my it was so good yeah, yeah. the house was incredible it was like my fucking wet dream of a home or whatever it's beautiful yeah yeah insane, uh, insane. Long, you got to say wet dream on the show so. <laughs> i've been waiting 100 and that how was many a wet dream to say wet uh, dream. yeah, yeah. um uh, so, uh, so well, speaking of what dream, how do we like this beer? <laughs> okay, sorry. My God, it was like having Teddy Roosevelt dumped into my mouth. <laughs> okay. No, I, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, wow. No, let's, let's it was stop. it was much more positive than that. No, this, I how do you honestly know? across the board, Mount Rushmore uh, Brewing Company. We, I hope, I genuinely hope that you do not feel like us critiquing Mount Rushmore as a national and like a national monument enterprise taken on is in any way a reflection on how I feel about this brewery. This is a great brewery. They are making great beer. The Scottish ale that they call Trustbuster, so impressive. So I'm wondering, though, Joe, before I forget, is there a George Washington-themed beer? Yeah, there are more beers. What is the George Washington, do you know? I I don't off the top of my head. I don't. The chat conversation was, was, yes, I would love to do some of those beers. Yeah, yeah, grab whatever you can. And she said, which ones? I think there were six available. And I picked these three. Okay. Uh, I'd be curious what the others were. Have, what was it? Rushmore? What was it? The website you gave it earlier. 
Right. Oh, they do a Bill Murray and a Jason Schwartzman. That's cute. I like yes, that they tie in the yes. Mount Rushmore with Rushmore. We, we, That's good. We love to see it. Uh, it's Rushmore.beer. Rushmore.beer. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now because the George Washington has to be a cherry sour, right? Oh, that's that a would good make sense. Thing. I mean, if it's not, it we enjoyed this brewery enough. Have we talked about the Scottish Ale yet? No, if it's haven't. not, this is. I, I literally just did free work for you. That's and okay. It, it looks like it's not. It looks like it's a fucking blonde, uh, which I'm so mad about. Which I'm sure tastes great, given how much we've enjoyed the others. Uh, well, the, the Scottish Ale is great. Yeah. I mean, it it's is, it's yeah, yeah. just what you want with a Scottish Ale multi. Now, if I had any critique, it's that. Usually with Scottish Ale, I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to get me up into like six and a half, seven percent range. This is only five and a half, which is actually probably better for me, but deceptive where I think, oh, shouldn't it be a little bit heavier? But that's my bias with Scottish Ales. So uh, I'm pretty sure I, it's not given. It doesn't show any artwork, but it's called the American Fabius, which is I think they have four core beers and it's referencing the four faces on Mount Rushmore. Sure. Yes, it's a blonde. Uh, but they also have an oatmeal stout, Czech Pilsner, smoked lager. Um, they do an amber, um, a barrel-aged British IPA. That sounds interesting. A Mexican lager. And then some season, some seasonal stuff like you would expect. A wheat, you know, some flavored stuff. A Marzen. Have y'all, fa- have y'all fallen victim to a tourism-based brewery? I have. Where I'm in some city... <sighs> And this brewery has all the hype. Or, or, or I it's on the main it. I don't think promenade. I've had it happen, though. What was I your... I, I don't, I don't, you don't I want, don't want to it. get okay, specific. Right, right. But I was just going to say that for... We're honest folk. For <laughs> tourism... It could be hyperbole. For tour... It's not. For tourism-based brewery. So it, 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 is this a destination spot? You know, is there a huge metropolitan community nearby that's going to enjoy? This is a tourism-based place. That's not a criticism. You set up your tent wherever their people right. are to drink your beers. Oh, for sure. It's fantastic. So we got four presidential-themed beers. Plus, if you go the to the tap room, it sounds too. like you've got a lot of selection. Oh, yeah. No, I, I want to go to Mount Rushmore. I want to go see the thing. I want to go reflect on the past and how we might not have made all of the right decisions, but no, the decision not. right now is to go to Mount Rushmore Brewing because I've seen this monument. Well, that you know, I would feel no guilt in visiting Mount Rushmore Brewing. No and, doubt. And in fact, I do hope to make it up to that area. I, I love uh, the West of this country, and I've spent far too little time in it. It's definitely a place where I want a road trip someday, mm-hmm. up to the, probably once my kids are grown and it's just me and Aaron. We have, a, <laughs> we, we have a map. If you go to our website, there's a map. It's a Google map that we've created that has yeah. all of the beers we've ever drink. Drinking? Drunk. Drank. Drunk. Drink. And uh, if you look at the American portion, which is a vast majority of the beers, yeah. there is that blank spot right down the center of the country. Mm-hmm. And it's not because we don't try, because we've had one beer at least from all 50 from states. From all 50 states, baby. Um, it's because the, the, it's the flyover area. It gets it's, very it's, spread it's out. Very I mean, it's very rural. It's not, yeah. a lot of, there's yeah. not, not, a not as densely populated. There you go. Yeah. A, that's the uh, succinctness that I was looking for earlier. You're welcome. Um, so I'm glad that we tried. I'm glad that we got to see a little South Dakota, because yeah. it's not it's not a place that we get to visit as often as I'd like to. And, I mean, truthfully, be trying to be there's, diplomatic. Uh, there's, there's probably not a lot of widely distributed beers from there right uh, i know we was south or north dakota one of the last holdouts it was one of those where was coal river from 
This might be a walk down memory lane. That was West Virginia. That was West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, Yeah. no, that. I I don't remember. You're going to make me pick up my phone, but we'll talk about it here in just a few minutes on After Hours, I'm sure. Certainly. Um, I'll pick up my phone. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that I was expecting us to return to Hitchcock in this big and bad of like to do a full Hitchcock episode this soon after we had done the last one. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did. I mean, I can't believe that I just saw North by Northwest for the first time. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. I mean, as people who are, uh, you know, lovers of film and filmmaking, there's just so many films to see. I had a buddy actually ask me what my desert Island films were. And we got started talking back and forth. And he was hoping that I had seen Paddington one and two, because apparently there's, there's a some big a, campaign on Paddington two. I think in both, particular, I think but, apparently people, they're incredible films. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I mean, this is a fully grown man. That, I understand. You know, was and like, hey, I, you got to see this. I've heard th- there's there's bubbling under the surface. There's yeah. a lot of people who are excited about those films. So you know, my point is that there are so many films out there. There are always going to be ones that we have overlooked or neglected, and I'm glad that I neglected this one no further. These two, actually. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to pair them with some fantastic beers. That being said, the episode has now reached its conclusion. We hope you had a good time. But as you know, the conversation does not end here. Uh, It doesn't have to end here. And you yourself can get involved in that discourse. So, uh, you know, you can find us on all of your favorite social media channels, Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, facebook.com slash beer and a movie TX beer and a movie podcast.com is where you can find that amazing Google map that will show you all of the different places that we've tried beer from twin being stout and the The twin cow tip of chocolate milk stout. Yes. Both from South Carolina of South Dakota. Yes. We had those sent to us, uh, by that's right. Now friend of the, a new friend of the show, someone that you connected with on the interwebs and the Coco Bolo from Woodgrain, Cause we, that, I think South Dakota was one of the last two States yeah, yeah. and we it started w- really getting aggressive and trying to yeah, find it. Yeah. We, we, you, I don't, not we, you had put a lot of feelers out there trying to get some help aiding in, uh, some illegal help. I mean, some help, <laughs> some, some dubious, slightly questionable Don't help, but it, it got rules. it Joe got Conker would be all for it. <laughs> Joe, Joe Conker, get by with a little help your, from your friends. I mean, we we reach out. We Joe Conker, yeah, yeah, Beatles. Well, yeah, but yeah, I'm but just saying Joe the Beatles. Yeah, they, no, but the Beatles a... they wouldn't reach out for beer. Joe Conker would. The Beatles. Oh. <laughs> so we'll talk about McCartney 321 later. Um, and of course, you heard us uh, reference it a couple of times this um, mysterious after hours episode. And yes, that does happen every single week. We talk about all sorts of things. Uh, yes, beer. Yes, movies. But a great many other things as well. I think this week's after hours is going to get into some territory that neither of y'all might be expecting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. It's only $5 a month. It helps us out a, a great deal in terms of you know being able to buy equipment. I need to buy David a, a pop filter here pretty soon. <laughs> uh, it's actually, no, actually it's, it's, it's not, it's not really that bad, but, uh, okay, good. but we, we, we should all have one for the sake of the listeners. Uh, yeah, and right absolutely. now we're only rocking with two, but yeah, $5 a month gets you a, a bonus episode every single week to go along with the main episode. It's a great time. 
love all of our 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 patrons shouts out to all of them um and yeah we always have another beer and sometimes it's kind of fancy or sometimes it's uh more controversial a little more unfiltered unedited on the patreon so do not sleep on it definitely uh come rock with us there and what another um iconic episode of beer in a movie until next time in the world of advertising there's no such thing as a lie there's only expedient exaggeration (laughs) Thank you.